If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Pixel Sift is proudly supported by the Murdoch University School of Arts. Uh, they and and they might have what you are looking for in a creative degree. Keen to learn more? Have a look at murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts to find out what they've got on offer. That's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts, or you can search Murdoch University for more information. Murdoch University School of Arts proudly supporting Pixel Sift. Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift, the show dedicated to indie games from around Australia and the world. My name is Mitch and joining me tonight is my co-host Gianni. Thanks for joining me. Hey Mitch, episode 140. Are you excited? Yes, I am very excited. And our guest this week is Callum Harrington, the community manager at Steel Sky Productions. Thanks for joining us, Callum. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Callum is here to talk about Warhammer Underworlds Online. But before we get to that, what are we taking a look at, Gianni? Man, the legacy of the Flash game. It has been around for more than 20 years. Uh, but this year, 2020, marks the very last year for Adobe Flash. It's officially ending at the very last day of this year. We're going to explore a bit of the history, a bit of the legacy, and what the future holds for the Flash game you grew up with. All right, let's get into it. Australia's best video game podcast. Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. All right. Look, I played a lot of Flash games back in the day. Mitch, I don't know if you played a lot of Flash games, but... Madness Interactive was my favourite one. Was very I haven't even heard of that. There's a wide, wide yeah. world of Flash games. So many people have all got their favourites. And it seemed for a long time that Flash uh, was sort of slowly marching towards the end of life. Um, it's a really interesting platform. It was accessible in the web browser. We saw a, a lot of uh, game developers sort of get their first step into making games from Flash. Uh, but now we're in 2020. This is officially the very last year that Adobe Flash will exist in the form that it's at. Uh, it might be some other ways around to play those games, but Flash, as it exists is end of life so at the 31st who's made this of call? December. Is it Microsoft who's made this call? No, so it's made by Adobe, yeah. um, but Adobe, Flash has always kind of had a really sort of rocky and, um, I guess, turbulent experience. Um, it, 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 was, it was something that you used to build a lot of applications early in the early days of the web. If you wanted interactive stuff, you couldn't do it natively in a web browser. If you wanted to cool menus and, like, 
great games and things, which is why we're talking about it, you needed to use Flash. But it wasn't the most secure platform. It was quite often a way that viruses and other things could get onto your computer. So very famously, you might remember back in uh, 2008 when the first iPhone came out. So this was the first time basically that people had like a pretty full-featured web browser on a phone. Uh, Apple just said, no, not, no Flash, not happening. It's gone. Sorry, it's never going to happen. Um, and that's something that they did at that point. And really when that happened, that was kind of the, I guess that was the beginning of the end. And that was, I mean, 12 years ago now, um, but it, uh, you know, it's had a, had a long history. If, um, if Callum, I- I'm really interested um, in, in what sort of uh, games you were playing back in the day. Yeah, for um, me, it was definitely uh, checking out a lot of Newgrounds, things like that. Uh, I loved Newgrounds for uh, just fun little games. But uh, I think for myself and a lot of people I know, I've been seeing people kind of comment about it. It's been Neopets. Uh, Mm. I mean, the site itself, you can still venture and raise your pet and everything like that. But it's the games that actually earn Neopoints where you can actually like buy things, um, yeah. but you can't. Like, I actually went and had a look at the site just before, and I was really disappointed that I couldn't play my uh, Snake Two copycat game that I used to play. So yeah. it's amazing a- how much that game kind of looks like a time capsule, or well, that website at least. It really feels like what it looks like. I mean, it's changed a bit, but it feels like 1997 or 2000. Or Speaking whatever. of Neopets, we have a friend of Pixelsiv who sometimes joins us on streams and uh she used to run a emma watson fake fan account and she would convince people that she was emma watson on neopets in the neopets inside of neopets inside of neopets no i i I thought i'd been friends with like uh avril lavigne i remember because her username was playstation girl one and i was just like oh that's that's gotta be the real avril she's gotta have that money to get that proper username, PlayStation Girl One, I like only that. a celebrity would be able to get a username like wow. that. Wow! Yeah. Callum, I think you may have been catfished uh, by someone on Neopets. <laughs> no, I was just giving her money no, was to, to like like lengthen her career. Obviously, she doesn't find <laughs> it spend money on Neopoints like I do. Yeah, definitely. It's had a big impact on her life. Look, we asked a lot of people on uh, on social media what their their favourite Flash games. And yeah, Neopets was one of these ones that, that really came up a lot. Um, we had Wish, uh, who mentioned uh, that it was really good. Maze on Discord said uh, that every Neopets game, they were all kind of different. Um, Mirka Chase, in particular, was one that was highlighted. Uh, and Maze says that Neopets taught me web development and my dad had to fax the Neopets office a permission slip for me to be able to access the forums wow. and the stock markets because I was under 13. Toyby, big Neopets fan, uh, just has actually still got a Neopets account, logged into their account uh, and showed a picture of us in our Discord as well, which is showing that the account age is 18 years old, wow. so old enough to vote. Wow. Um, yep. But a lot of other votes for things like Newgrounds as well. Mr. Buttersocks on Discord says Newgrounds was my lair about 15 years ago, and certainly some of the games I played would have made people worry about it. Um, and a lot of people put in a vote as well for the Impossible Quiz, which they've said is more of an experience than a game, um, but one of those amazing things that people have played um, on Flash. A lot of Club Penguin um, in there as well. Club Penguin, Club Penguin as well, which is high recommendations. totally a Flash game. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, yeah. was RuneScape a Flash game? No, right? That- yeah, it was. Oh, it was? Yeah, oh. I think it moved over to being web browser at one point. But yeah, that was Flash as well. Wow. I mean, so if you've listened to Pixel Sift for a little while, you might know a number of the guests that we've had on the show previously who started their career making games 
uh, in Flash. You might know the Monster Pals. Um, they've actually recently made a game with Armor Games, which is one of the sites that people used to go to to play all those Flash games. Still around, still publishing games. Um, recently published the game Never Give Up, um, made that one there. Uh, Daniel Sun from Sun Studios, uh, which originally made a game for Newgrounds uh, uh, called Armed with Wings, released the game Armed with Wings uh, Rearmed. Uh, Death Hall is another one. Tom Jansen uh, has developed games for things. So it's like this interesting sort of foundational experience for a lot of people who were looking to uh, to learn and, and, and make games. It does seem uh, that- what I think is really... It does yeah, seem on, that a lot of like uh, a lot of these flash games are getting their like renaissance on the indie circuit. Yeah, because they become it, like they transcend themselves on in out of the browser and into the onto the pack showroom floor almost. It's great, love it. Yeah, I think uh, people will be surprised how many games out there are still in flash as well. Like when I think flash games, it's also games on Facebook, just mm-hmm. things that you play in the browser that you don't realize are still in Flash. Um, so uh, one of the games I previously worked on uh, I was a Flash game that was uh, still in browsers and everything like that, and it celebrated its eighth birthday, which was just wild as a live service game to be going for that long. Um, but it's it was still so popular. You'd be getting, you know, like... like thousands hundreds of thousands of people in a day playing this game and it was just incredible to see those numbers and go like wow so to now see them be transitioning fully from flash into html5 was just something that behind the scenes is a lot more work than people actually expect Mm. so is is html5 is that now the new flash alternative i think so i think uh, for a lot of people who are like uh, I know building in Unity and things like that, that will be an easier transition because uh, Unity has like just that uh, kind of portability when it comes to games and things like that. Obviously, everything will have its issues, but uh, yeah, it's. I think HTML5 is definitely the <laughs> kind of the next step before the next thing comes that will make it even easier for people to access games and get that kind of quickness and uh, mm. quality that people strive for. For Callum, a yeah. uh, question about the game that you developed. Was it the sort of game that you think maybe uh, people we would normally consider like a gamer or someone who is really into video games? Was it a different sort of game like that or was it like a really core sort of game experience? Um, it was, so uh, <laughs> it was actually kind of like a mixture of a tower defense game uh, and uh, just resource management kind of stuff right and it had a pretty hardcore audience um but it wasn't something i i know for myself before working on the title that i hadn't actually played it or heard of it but when i saw it i was just like oh i have seen that i've seen that in the side panels at armorgames.com or like uh you know just across facebook getting random invites from like second cousin you know that kind of stuff so it's definitely out there but it's not one of those things where it's like hardcore marketing of like you need to play this game i'm just like no they don't need to do marketing because it's all the like player base is already there what what i think is interesting is um i guess the sort of people that these sort of games would attract as well um, like, you know, there were a lot of people who played games like Farmville, for example, which was really big on Facebook, um, but it wasn't the sort of people you who know 
who would be playing like an Xbox or a PlayStation or yeah. something like that. So it, it actually thinks about like quite an interesting sort of everyone sort of had a computer, so it made, meant it was much more accessible for a different type of, of game player. What I think is interesting as well is that you can quite, and, and, and someone highlighted this when they mentioned the, the game Bloons, uh, is that a lot of the developers that made games for Flash went on to go and make mobile games and they were moving games into their, into their app store. Uh, and for a lot of those older games, uh, probably people would be wondering, well, like, well, if I ever wanted to play the first version of these games, something like the Give Up series that you know has moved over to Nintendo Switch and a bunch of other things like that, like that sort of stuff could potentially be lost forever. But there is a project um, that's come out by Blue Maxima. Uh, it, it's called, uh, it is called Flashpoint um, and where they've basically uh, developed an open source piece of software that emulates uh, the Flash platform. Um, and it, they've got 36,000 games uh, that have been archived, which allows people to play it. So they're going to put games into it. If the copyright holder says, look, no, we don't really want it, or maybe it exists or somebody else owns it, then they'll take them down. But it seems like a lot of people are very happy to have their games sort of archived uh, in a way that is uh, playable for, for a lot of people into the future. Uh, I might just leave you with a few um, a few more comments from, uh, the, uh, from the Facebook and from Discord. Um, uh, Drew Richard on Discord says, Stick RPG was my jam in school. Used to play it on Miniclip or Newgrounds. It was a save function, but I can't remember exactly how it worked. And also, Motherload was a fantastic game. And Buddy on Facebook says, Shout out to all the slime games, especially the sport ones like cricket, soccer, and basketball. Great two-player games on the school computers. Uh, so, yeah, the heaps and heaps to love and lots of uh, great memories. So if you've got them, uh, you can jump into our Discord and share a few more of those. That's pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. Excellent. All right. Now to our next topic. Hey there. If you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixelsift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. All right, so today we're joined by Callum Harrington from Steel Sky Productions. He's here to talk about he's here to talk about Warhammer Underworlds Online. So Callum, for those of us who may not have heard about it before, what is Warhammer Underworlds Online? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you finished that sentence and just didn't ask what is Warhammer because that's <laughs> yeah. that take, take us back. Take us back. Fish. Yeah. Uh, it was 30 years ago. Yeah. Um <laughs> No, so Warhammer Underworlds Online is a digital adaptation of the game, the Games Workshop game of the same name, uh, Warhammer Underworlds. It's a competitive uh, tabletop game where you have your, oh, I'm seeing the footage, it's great. Uh, you have your factions that you choose and you battle it out for glory and that's how you uh, win your games. It's a high, uh, high skill but also very strategic, uh, good entry if you want to really kind of dive in with cards and miniatures and uh, heroes and things like that. Mm. A big part of all the, the, I guess, playing any of the Warhammer games is sort of the um, customization. And I'm wondering how have you kind of incorporated that into this, this game? Can people make their own like armies and squads and all that sort of thing? Yeah, so uh, Underworld's, Separate from other Warhammer and Age of Sigmar titles, uh, you can't edit or change really your warband faction. So uh, it's not like you can have all these Stormcast Eternals uh, kind of all mixed together. It's usually here's your Stormcast Eternals faction 
and here is the Seal Hearts champions, who are comprised of three. Uh, so for the miniatures, you'd be able to, you know, paint uh, your miniatures and everything like that. Uh, we, for the game, are doing uh, customizable skins, uh, but those are essentially, at this stage, a uh, palette swap of just, uh, you know, they've got, uh, like, ebony kind of colors for the skeletons and for the green skins, instead of the bright yellow armor, we're going all dark, all black. Uh, for the corn, for the blood god, we've got spatter- spatterings of uh, some red goo, uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, I wonder as well, can, when you're adapting a game that uh, people have played, they know how it works in real life. It's a physical game that someone can go to a shop and, and pick up. Um, what, what do you do to make it work in a digital context? A lot of testing. Uh, so we, the game has been in development for probably just over two years thereabouts. Uh, but during that time, we made sure that we were doing a lot of uh alpha and beta testing we had a couple of closed betas and now for us as well we're actually the game's in early access so we're still updating the game as we go along where we've got a very very supportive and uh constructive uh discord server so people give their feedback there and uh a lot of the changes that we've done even in the last few weeks uh have just been uh kind of compiled from feedback from our community uh, in our patch notes you can actually see which ones have been inspired by community feedback so when it comes to uh the feel of the game and everything like that it's uh super important to us that everyone tries it out goes like this is what i like about the tabletop game and then we try to put that in a digital space which is uh not as easy as it sounds <laughs> is it i mean is it a one-to-one adaptation or or did you have to kind of change some of the structure of it in order to make it work digitally uh, yes and no so uh when it comes to warhammer underworlds as well that works in seasons uh so currently at the moment like there's season one which is set shadespire and then season two is nightfall season three is Beastgrave. so we've actually started back at season one um with that will come a particular rule set uh, that isn't the same as season three. Season three, obviously, Games Workshop have kind of adapted the game and tr- uh, made some rules to make sure that gameplay is more smooth, everything like that. So we have gone back to, by going back to season one, we're able to go, all right, well, what's working in season two or season three that we might be able to put in here that maybe wasn't working in the first season? So there's a little bit of overlap there in uh, able to make it a little bit easier, but uh, we're not really changing it that much in relation to rules and dice and everything like that. It's we're really trying to emulate that tabletop experience. But a lot of RPG games, you know, there's usually people have a particular edition that they like. Um, you know, they're the ones that have a particular one. I mean, is there is there any call from that when you're sort of talking to the community, um, asking you to do a particular type of rule set and maybe not because some people like the change that came in in season two and maybe they didn't like it in season three or, or any of that? Short answer, yes. Uh, <laughs> there, is, there is a lot. There is a lot of calls for particular things. So uh, things like lethal hexes where uh, if you push a an enemy into a particular tile or a hex, you know, they'll take damage, things like that. That stuff wasn't, or uh, even the uh, element of magic. So magic got introduced in season two as a complete new kind of mechanic of the game. And we're just like, okay, no, we're going to go back to season one and kind of make sure that that works. 
And then as we go along, we'll add mechanics as we go. But that being said, uh, yeah, we're listening to that feedback and going like, all right, well, what can take priority in the future? Um, and when it comes to things like different cards as well, uh, universal cards change up a lot of the gameplay um, where usually that uh, in the tabletop version came along when you purchase the different warbands. Uh, you would get a mixture of faction cards that work only with your warband and universal cards that would be able to be used across all the warbands. What we're doing is that we're releasing warbands as uh, paid DLC. We do have a, a, like quite a few to start off with. But then all the universal cards we're going to be doing as packs for free. So that means that people don't necessarily have to buy the DLC for different warbands in the faction uh, in the future, but then they'll be able to still get the cards to be able to change up that gameplay and still be in that kind of competitive meta that we want to keep an eye on, really cultivate with this game. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks for watching Pixel Sift. If you're joining us on one of our live platforms, uh, we are talking to Callum Harrington from Steel Sky Productions, uh, talking about Warhammer Underworlds Online. So, so Callum, you mentioned um, you mentioned Games Workshop earlier. Well, what are what are they like to work with, and uh, how much input do they have over the creative process? Oh, they're they're great. They're so good to work with. Obviously, we're big fans of uh, Games Workshop and Warhammer franchise. To be able to <clears throat> work on an IP like this is fantastic. Uh, where we have weekly calls with them, everything like that. But at this stage, they they obviously trust us enough to be able to work on this IP and make sure that we're bringing it to life. So it's not like all hands off. Like they make sure that we're <laughs> doing everything right and making sure that they have a say as well. But it's that kind of relationship that you got to have uh, on a project like this where you want to make sure that it's right. And so you've got to check with the creators. Um, but yeah, I, it's been great. They're so good with their feedback and responses. And, you know, they'll tell us what they want to see. And then they'll tell us maybe a little bit of like what's coming down the line when we can't talk about it. And we're just like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, can't wait to put that in the game, you know? So it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, how did that relationship start? Ah, so I'm pretty sure, uh, so I wasn't there when the project first started, but uh, so Seals Guide Productions is made up of a lot of developers who have worked on previous uh, tabletop adaptations and things like that, and other games workshop IPs. So uh, a lot of developers are from the company uh, Two Man Games, and so they worked on the, uh, the Fighting Fantasy series, which is also like a kind of choose your own adventure uh, experience. And then they also worked on the Warlock from Firetop Mountain, which uh, if you've seen or played, it's a very, Big fan very of that. well done. Yeah, it's very well done. Uh, kind of miniatures game of like that dungeon crawling and you see all the miniatures move about. So it would have been a bit of like to and fro of just like, uh, del- developers making that kind of game and then Games Workshop going like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then the developers seeing Games Workshop doing uh, Warhammer Underworlds and going like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. That would, that would be nice if we uh, if we <laughs> together on this and made something uh, cool out of this. Uh, that's, and that's so, yeah. how video games are made, nice. friends. <laughs> yeah, just, just people making eyes at each other from across the room. They're like, hey, hey. Wanna, I like what you you're doing. That, that's yeah. how the podcasting game works. <laughs> yeah. uh, so- um, Callum, I'm really curious as a c- community manager, 
Um, how do you kind of, uh, one, get up to speed with something which has such a long history uh, that, that the Warhammer fr- franchise uh, does and, and also meet those people at the right place um, when they're talking about your game? Yeah. Uh, look, it's a lot. Uh, so my experience with uh, Warhammer and everything was uh, slight uh, coming into uh, this IP, but... Um, I was fortunate that I had a really good support base uh, to kind of learn and it, all that kind of stuff. And I've always like been War- Warhammer adjacent. Like I've seen it in the peripherals going like, oh, that's that's cool, cool nerdy stuff that I'd definitely like to get it in on, but I just don't have the time or the money. Now I could do it and go like, great, this is a tax deduction. Like I, <laughs> I have to do this now. Um, but it's mainly been like the community, honestly, like, uh, they've been so patient, uh, with me kind of fumbling my way through figuring out the game, the law and the mechanics. Um, but I'm also quite, uh, kind of blessed that, uh, I'm coming into it at, uh, the turn of age of Sigma as well. So you had, uh, Warhammer fantasy and Warhammer 40 K and then three, I think three or four years ago now, they had Age of Sigma, which essentially was for the fantasy world, kind of like a law reset. So, uh, which caused a lot of controversy, but that means instead of having to learn 30 years of law, I only had to kind of catch up on three years of law. Uh, and like, I still understand some of the older law and everything like that, but uh, really the newer stuff is uh, more relevant for me. Uh, but then I'm fortunate as well that Underworlds takes place in its own realm of uh, kind of paradox. So anything can happen. So that means if I get anything wrong, it's like, well, it's it's Underworlds. It's, it's you could literally uh, say you could say a wizard did it, and that actually could be potentially. True. I would I would be torched alive if I said a wizard <laughs> did it. So yeah. you live in you live in sort of the infinite crisis, sort of realm of, yeah. of warhammer yeah, yeah so, it's a bit like that hey so as a, as, a commu- as a community manager is it important for you to understand like the art and programming side of games development i think it definitely helps um when it comes to answering questions for people uh a lot of people still don't quite understand uh development uh when it comes to games and especially a live service thing where we we have to be we don't have to be, but it's good to be available as much as you can to answer questions and all that kind of stuff. So when people have uh, certain expectations of game that aren't met, then it's my job to come in and be like, hey, so this is your expectations and this is what we've delivered and this is why things haven't worked out this way Um, without getting into the nitty gritty of it all. But it's just like art and programming takes a lot um, and you know, uh, when it comes to things like streaming, because I stream every now and again, if I need some art assets, I'm, I'm, I know that I can't just turn around to one of our artists, Steph, and be like, hey, can you just make me up a thing? I'm like, no, because I know that if it's something that's also themed in the world, uh, it needs to go through the proper approval process as well, because you can't just be there going like, oh, well, this is proper underworld's law kind of art without the approval of games workshops and the higher ups, because otherwise it would, people would be like, what does that mean? Does that mean that this happens and that happens and all this kind of stuff? It's like, oh no, someone just did a wrong brush stroke. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot, but um, 
it's good to have that kind of understanding and patience, right? To uh, know how things are meant to be done. It sounds like um, all the players, uh, while they may be looking for like little tiny crumbs of bits of piece of information in there, but it sounds like they're extremely passionate. So that must be rewarding to work with people who really love Warhammer and, and what you're doing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. We uh, so the game's only been out in early access for about two weeks now, and uh, we the start was a little bit rocky. Not going to lie, uh, just because we obviously went from only having, you know a few eyes on us to all of a sudden all the, this big influx of people all wanting to try the game. And, uh, you know, for some people, they expect early access to mean game completed, um, which it's not. Uh, we're a live service title as well. So we're going to be continuously updating the game and doing that at regular intervals. But also with that comes, you know, helping us find bugs and things like that. Uh, so when... We first released and we had this bit of like a uh, backlash just because people had certain expectations of being able to play with friends right away where we had made decision to kind of focus on things like casual play and ranked play and just getting there and playing the game to try and figure it out where a lot of the call out was for our community to play against each other. That's what they wanted to sit down with their friends and play this game. So Within a week, we made it that you could do Steam invites and match codes. And the kind of feedback from the community was that, from that was amazing. We were, we were very, very happy with that. And they were so happy just to be able to start doing match codes and now people running tournaments and things like that. Like, it's just really, really kind of rewarding to see that. Um, I'm curious as well, you know, for people who listen to this show, a lot of them are developers. Some of them are in their early stages of their career. Um, what, what would be some of the things if they are making a game for themselves and they're thinking about managing a community that you would kind of give as a tip for people to keep in mind? Um, I think a lot of it comes to something that I was saying before with expectations. Um, and patience and understanding. It's uh, something that a lot of community managers have kind of relayed to me as well, is that you do have to have a a pretty good sense of uh, emotional intelligence. I know that kind of sounds uh, a little bit hooly-dooly, but uh, it's that kind of thing where if someone's upset, they have a reason that they are upset. They are not upset just because they're a horrible human being. Everyone is a good human being, they just are um, maybe not in the right circumstances or maybe they have certain expectations. And so it's your job to manage those expectations. And that comes through messaging and marketing and talking with people. So taking that time to be patient. And on Discord, for example, I've got a direct line to some of our players. Uh, if people are saying, hey, I'm having issues with the game, I can be like, hey, so tell me about these issues that you're having with our game. And we can talk through that because they might say, oh, I don't like how it looks. And then I can turn around and say, okay, so why don't you like? It's essentially, it's getting into therapy territory, but yeah. it's that <laughs> kind of reasoning and understanding of like, all right, well, if you don't like the way it looks is because you expected it to look a different way and what would lead you to believe that it was going to look that way. Um, so... And then that's external expectations, all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, I think the short answer is 
manage expectations and have patience. I think those mm. are the two key things when it comes to community management. Sounds like you need a lot of empathy as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm stone cold. Like, I, I have zero heart, so it's okay. Do, do you feel well, look, like- it is available now um, in, in early access if you wanted to check it out. Um, the, the, the URL, if you want to go check it out, or you can find it on, on Steam. It's Warhammer Underworlds, all one word, then hyphenonline.com. You can check out the show notes of this particular episode as well, and you'll find a link on there. Um, what, I guess a, a final question for you, Callum. Um, what should people come into this uh, this game expecting if they're if they're getting ready to play this game? Maybe this is the first time they've ever heard of it. Um, what should they come into this uh, with the right mindset to, to get the best out of it? That it is a strategy heavy game. That you should be patient with yourself if this is your first time playing as well and learning the game. We do have bots and AI, so don't worry about and tutorials as well. So don't worry about jumping in straight away and going like, I don't know how any of these cards or mechanics work. Uh, You have the option there to take the time to figure out how to best strategize your deck. We do have plenty of cards there as well, so make sure to look through that and figure out how you want to play. Like, you can play super, like, defensive or you can go super aggressive. Uh, You don't necessarily have to, like, kill out the enemy warband. There are different ways to get glory as well, so that might be standing on certain objectives, things like that. So uh, there is a lot in this game that you should be able to find your play style and how you like to play. And then if you're jumping on Discord, uh, you can usually find someone who wants to play the game as well. And, you know, you can do a private match. We have plenty of people diving in and just going, hey, I want to play the game. Who's around? And someone will be like, yep, here's my room code. Let's have a match. And then we'll see them jump on the uh, call with each other. And they'll just be like talking through the game and like doing little mentors. It's really good. It's really, really sweet. Awesome. Well, uh, we've come to the end of the show, unfortunately, uh, but uh, thank you for watching and or listening to episode 140 of Pixel Sift. This episode has been hosted by myself, Mitchell Lowe, and Gianni. Thank you very much for joining me, Gianni. Always a pleasure. And uh, thank you very much, Callum, for joining us as well. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, so Pixel Sift is produced by Scott Quigg, Sarah Ireland, Fiona Bartholomeus, Mitch Lowe, that's myself, Daniel Ang, and Gianni DiGiovanni is our executive producer. Uh, we would not have been able to make 140 episodes of Pixel Sift if we didn't have the support of Murdoch University. So go check them out and tell them we sent you. If you're keen to learn more about a great creative degree, head to murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. That's murdoch.edu.au forward slash arts. And as always... And like Gianni said before, we will be sticking all the links of the topics and the game that we talked about on the show up in the show notes of our website. That's pixelsift.com.au. And we've got another podcast as well. It's called Mainstream. Uh, If you are into uh, all of the AAA titles, those big games that you pick up in your normal shops in the stores, um, come check that out. Uh, It comes out every two weeks. Look in your podcast player Type in Mainstream and Pixel Sift and you should be able to find it or head over to our website and you'll find plenty of links there. We've also got a Discord. Love to have you there. You can share answers to the questions we put out for each and every episode like we did in this one here. And you can go to pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. Uh, you can also share your creative work, talk about the topics, play games with people, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. But most importantly, if I can ask you a favor, we always need you 
to help us share the show. We can't do it without you. So if you have a friend who would like what we do, um, you can tell them about the show. You can subscribe them on their phone, start someone's journey into podcasting. Uh, if you think they're like Pixel Sift, we'd love to have them along. Excellent. And our next episode will be on the 27th of February. So, But if you join us this time next week on the 20th, uh, we'll, be playing, we'll be playing one of the indie games that we feature on the show. Uh, that's all for this week. Thank you for joining us. We will catch you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hi, Pixel Sift listeners. My name's Ben. I'm one of the hosts and the dungeon master of How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. It's a Dungeons and Dragons actual play comedy slash storytelling podcast. That basically means I sit around with some of my best friends, these idiots, and I am your first mate, Jackson Usid. Thomas Horatio Hornblower Owen. Whoa. Grace the Kraken, Chapo! <laughs> and we play Dungeons and Dragons together. Everybody roll initiative, we're going in here. Mine's 11. 19. That's a two! <laughs> <laughs> Telling a collaborative fantasy story whilst trying to make each other and you laugh. I feel like we should include that and just see if we get away with it. Oh, I'm definitely going to include that. <laughs> <laughs> we explore a world known as Carthus and we try and balance the rules-heavy D&D actual play stuff with storytelling, comedy and fun. If you're into nerdy stuff or if you're just into good friends hanging out, you'll probably like it. We're quite close to the end of our current story story and it is one continuous narrative so if you're looking for a place to jump in i'd recommend listening to chapter zero at the very start of the feed which gives you a bit of background and some ideas for places to start with the show that's how to win loot and influence dragons from the curio network check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at curionetwork.com If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 